Happy New Year's Eve from the Workers' Mike here on 720 WGN, powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor. I'm Ed Maher with the International Union of Operating Engineers, here with Phil Davidson from the Minerica Carpenters Regional Council. Hey, good morning. What's let's, happening, Phil? Let's pop the champagne early today, huh? You know, I'm feeling a lot better this morning than I'm probably going to be feeling tomorrow morning. Yes. Actually, I say that, but I'm 40, uh, and it's been a long time since I really did anything worth uh, praise on any any sort of heroic partying on New Year's on Eve. On New Year's Eve, yeah, I know. Now it's, well, you like to what, watch Godzilla movies? and um... Yeah, I watch, I watch Godzilla movies. I like kung fu movies. Yeah. Um, you know, and I just try to stay awake until... Um, Try to stay awake until midnight. Yeah, it's pretty pathetic. Yeah, I think except the Godzilla movies part. That part's cool. That's a great part. Uh, staying in is kind of the new going out. I think going out on New what Year's Eve. What does that Eve, mean, Phil? Uh, it means that it used to be like, yeah, you go out on yeah. New Year's Eve, like you be social. That's the your, your expectation, your contribution to society. But now it's like, yeah, that's played out. So you just stay in. It's cooler now. I think it's just an age thing. I mean, this is from not an old man. That plays into it as well. I'm, I'm like verging on being an old man i act and feel like an old man yeah um but yeah i'm sure the uh you know the 20 somethings are still ripping it up out there and you know doing us doing us proud yeah they say it's they say it's amateur night though right i mean when i used to do it it was amateur night Mm -hmm. i was one of the top amateurs were you yeah but usually when they talk about top amateurs it's like the olympics and top amateurs (laughs) is a term that's like it's revered my top amateur on new year's eve (laughs) That was not, you know, that was like cab drivers having to go to the car wash at two o'clock in the morning and, you know, wring their hair out trying to, well, you know, whatever. But yeah. uh, there's a lot of cab drivers, I'm sure, across the city of Chicago that if they could get their hands on me, yeah. been, they haven't forgotten me. I've probably forgotten about them. Um, they're they're but, breathing a big sigh of relief that you're no longer on the prowl. Yeah, which is terrible because cab drivers are workers too. They and are. So, uh, they are. You know, to to all the cab drivers out there that I may have wronged in my previous yeah. life, I want to throw a, a hearty Happy New Year's out to you. Thank you for all you're done in your service. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, we're winding down 2023. It's the last day of it, so we've pretty much wound it down. But yeah, this is it, man. Yeah, um, the year of the work. Any anything you're going to try to get accomplished before the year's over? Um, let me think. Uh, I mean, there's only, you know, a handful of hours left, so I think I'll probably just be as lazy as I possibly can. Okay. Um, because, you know, holidays, long weekend, uh, you know, I try to, I try to be as lazy as I can get away with. I take care of the things that need to be taken care of, but I try to, you know, remain horizontal, uh, as much as possible. Yeah. yeah. You've, you've had a big, big productive year, so you've earned it. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much, Phil. And I You're would welcome. say the same for you. Thanks, Ed. Um, and, uh, you know, the labor movement has had an extraordinarily productive year. As we always say here, 2023 was the year of the worker. And I don't know, when we coined that term, I don't think that we necessarily expected the sort of success that we were going to see this year. I know. People um, have really answered our calling. That's exactly <laughs> right. And 2024, in my opinion, is shaping up to be an even bigger year. Yep. Um, because this is, if this was uh, like a chart, it would just be like a, a chart curving upward about the amount of people that are organizing, the amount of people. A bell curve. Who, yeah, who went on strike bell curves. Is that mm-hmm. what it's called? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Phil's one of them smart, uh, them smart fellers. <laughs> I uh, hope that's right. I don't I, know. <laughs> I, hope, I hope it's wrong and I'm going to find out. Um, but 
you know, these these things have been increasing every year, and there's nothing changing in 2024, at least in the first part of 2024, that yep. would uh, that would really drastically slow that down. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think the election in November, the outcome of that could depend, you know, what the the policy toward um, workers, uh, the balance between workers and business. Yep. Is that can uh, you know that can be a fork in the road? Yep, UAW is not giving up. They're going, you know, right. they, you know, they, they're not resting on their laurels with those big wins that they had. They're going after all the non-union auto manufacturers. That's huge. I think everyone just like attack, attack, attack. No, yeah. no, no, uh, no resting. We can't. There's too much at stake to say, oh, we got a win here. We can rest for the next six years and uh, wait for our next bargaining uh, session. Like, let's go. Let's go, 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 which is awesome. Times are good. The conditions are good for workers. And workers out there who, um, you know, who saw this coming and hit the streets and, you know, seize the moment, seize the opportunity to to get a little bit something, to get those work rules that they've been struggling with or if they've been stagnant with wage increases. They went out and got that stuff. So folks who are out there who haven't gotten that yet – it's not too late. No. Um, whether you're in a union uh, or not in a union, take the next step. And this isn't about uh, anything other than, you know, looking after yourself. Sometimes employers, I hate to, you know, break it to you, but they're not always super concerned with what's best for you. They're not worried about how much money's going into your pockets, how much you can afford to um, spend on Christmas presents for your kids. They're worried about that for themselves. No. Maybe they're not always super concerned about it for you. So It's not front of mind for them always. Yeah. Who's going to be concerned for you? Well, let's start with you. Yes. When, it, when it comes to looking after your family, uh, it it's not a bad thing to be a little bit selfish or to look out for yourself. Uh, because as we said, you might assume that your employer is looking out for you. Think a little harder on that. And uh, Yeah, you're and, probably about where on the list of priorities for like 10th on Maybe. their list because you got shareholders money number money, one money money money, money right money. other people's so, money not yeah. your money this guy's money that guy's yeah, money. private not equity yes okay okay now okay yep there's the employees they're way down the list but yeah it's time to uh to change that dynamic and stick up for yourself right on um yeah first on your list should be you should be your family yep um and there are ways to do this for yourself so um, you know, every every worker who's out there should be getting their fair share, um, and that's what we want for everyone. Whether you're in a union, whether you're not in a union, um, you know, the working class is what drives. And I mean, let's talk about, especially after Christmas, our economy. The number I think is seventy percent of our GDP is driven by consumer activity. That's yeah. people buying stuff. If people don't make a lot of money, people can't buy things. If you give a billionaire, you know, another 2% or a, a tax break, he's not going to go out and buy anything with it. He's no. going to sink it into something that I don't even know what it is. Yeah, that's has, for their great, 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 great grandchildren. That's correct. Yes. They're going to put it into wealth planning. And, you know, as I always say, I'm just a simple country boy and I don't understand a lot of these, uh, these things. So you give it to a person who's in the middle class or in the lower middle class, they're going to go buy things. They have a refrigerator that barely works. They need new tires for their cars. We live in a, a country with a consumer-driven economy. That's yep. the reality. If people stop buying things, the economy slows down. Yep. Uh, and I don't know about you, but I did my part this this holiday season to keep the economy moving. Even with inflation high, I still <laughs> wound up spending more money than I ever thought I would. So. Yes, I'm a fool, <laughs> yeah, as I say all right. the time. Um, but uh, so, you know, let's let's look ahead into 2024 and make it an even better year for workers. If 2023 was the year of the workers, I don't know what we've got. We've got, we'll come back in January with a catchphrase for 2024. Um, 
and I don't know, like double down. The year of the middle class. Um, I don't know. Let's let's work on it. Okay. But while we're sitting here working on it, we would like to treat you, the listeners, to some of the highlights from 2023. We've had a lot of guests. We've had a lot of great conversations. So many great guests. We have made a lot of great jokes at Ken Edwards' expense, and we're going to go through some of those um, because, surprise, folks, we got a clip show coming at you from the Workers' Mic, the first annual, uh, you know, best of 2023. Very difficult decisions picking our favorite interviews because, I was, as we said, countless. Yeah. But uh, through a, a thoroughly vetted process, we came up with three that we thought were uh, perhaps the most engaging ones we did. So. Absolutely. So um, we're going to take a break and uh, stay with us for some of the best of the year. And from the workers' family to yours, uh, we wish you all just a happy, safe New Year's. Uh, be careful out there if you do decide to participate in Amateur Night. Uh, you know, get yourself a ride, leave your keys at home, don't take your car keys with you, something like that. But Make good uh, decisions. Yeah, have a great time, celebrate, enjoy your time with your friends and family, and uh, don't get a DUI. <laughs> yeah, it just cut to the chase. Moral of the story, yeah, just quit beating around the bush. Don't get any DUIs out there, folks. Um, so, Happy New Year from our family here at the Workers Mike to yours, and um, we will be back with you after these words. See you next year. You're listening to The Worker's Mic, powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor and sponsored by Megan Financial, Premise Health, and Voya Financial. Welcome back. Let's revisit our conversation with IBEW Local 134 apprentice Alyssa Cruz and listen to her incredible story that includes her journey through the training program and meeting the President of the United States. Welcome back, everyone, to The Worker's Mic right here on 720 WGN. My name is Ken. I'm here with Ed. Hello, Ed. What's happening, Ken? Hey, and we talked earlier, um, and we're really psyched to have um, a really cool guest with us today, Alyssa Cruz, correct? Did I get that's that right? It. Yes, you did. And you are, what, a 134 apprentice? Correct. What year? I am a fifth year now. How many years does it go? Five years total. Okay. And 134, for everybody out there listening that doesn't know, it's the IBEW, the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers. And so explain to me real quick, or explain to our audience, your local, right? Because there's a lot of different IBW locals. What does Local 134 do? So it's it's based out of Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, we do a lot of downtown work, a lot of commercial, some residential. Construction? Construction, yes. Got it. And you're, you guys are in Cook County, correct? Correct. Okay. And so you have an interesting background. Um, you know, we were chatting, you know, before the show and, you know, my understanding is that you introduced President Biden at the White House. I did. I did. I was lucky enough to be selected. How cool is that? It was, it was cool. It was very intimidating. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Where did you, and so you, you flew to DC. Yes. And, and what was the occasion? Like what, what were you introducing him for? Um, it was to talk about the infrastructure talent pipeline, mm-hmm. um, kind of green energy conversation uh, deals with UV charging stations and other green energy aspects. And how do they, I mean, a fifth year apprentice, <laughs> you know, from Chicago, like how do you wind up getting this gig? That's what I want to know. Right place, right time. That's um, it. Yeah, our, our business manager, Don Finn, got a phone call and they were asking for a female minority apprentice so to. You, you fit the bill. I did. <laughs> and you're like, here, I, I'm. It's, uh, that's me. me. He poked his head out of the office and he's like, hey, you, Alyssa. Yeah. <laughs> pick, 
like me. I was literally right across from him when he got the phone call. So if not, it could have been anyone else. That's amazing. So one day you're on the job as an electrician, just working, and a yeah. couple days later you're in the blue room at the White House introducing the president. Absolutely. That's amazing. Oh yeah, my heart's racing again. Sorry. Just thinking about it. <laughs> just Sorry, thinking about bring, it. <laughs> bring back the stress, but that is uh, that's very cool. Yeah, Thank you you, you, should, you. you should be honored, and I know that uh, you know for whatever people say about Biden. You know he's he's pro labor, you know, and Definitely. he's pro union. And you know, although I, we take him to task, you know, sometimes you know for some things like the railroad shoving that contract down people's throat, yeah, I didn't right. think it was great. But you know, this infrastructure bill, which is the bipartisan infrastructure bill, right, is work for a generation for us, right, and for you, and for your family, oh, and yeah. for your future. You know, you're just coming up into the into the trade, but you know, you hope that that bill right. is going to provide work for eons for you right absolutely yeah it's great and um, i mean i just read something last week that just in 2023 across the country there's going to be 900 million dollars spent on wind and solar energy just out of that federal um infrastructure bill so wind and solar electricity that's got to be a lot of work for electricians i mean you've got to build the fields also there are other other workers involved but that's a lot of work for electricians <laughs> it's good news absolutely yeah. <laughs> So let's let's go backwards now be, um, and talk about your background a little bit. So so tell us like briefly where where are you from? Are you from Chicago? Um, yeah, I'm from the suburbs of Chicago. Okay. Uh, you know, born in Addison, grew up there, and um, yeah, I, I went to UIC for for a little bit of college. Okay. And uh, and what did you do at UIC? I well, I studied business management and accounting for a little bit and mm-hmm. i was on their gymnastics team cool cool so do you still have college debt oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> yes i do and that was only for two years two so. years all right and then okay so you go to college right and then what happens uh do you go go straight into the trades or do you get a job no no i uh i started working for a small sales company and then jumped into new york life okay and I did a couple years there. I worked a couple years there doing a little bit of asset management and some life insurance. Right. And then I kind wasn't of pivoted. Bag, huh? <laughs> it wasn't what it was supposed to be. Corporate so. America is not for everyone. <laughs> Definitely not. And so how do you then take, you know, take us from that gig, right? So working for New York Life, which is a giant, I'm sure, Fortune 500 company, to you becoming an apprentice at Local 134 of the IBW. Like, how does that... How does that happen? So I have five uncles and my father that are local 134 members mm-hmm. or retired now. Yep. Um, and at the time, two uncles were retiring. So I got the nerve to ask them if I can do some retirement planning for them. If I can at least just peek into you know, what their, their retirement was going to look like. I was lucky enough to review it, and when I saw IBW one thirty four benefits going into retirement, wait a second! I was like, I'm I'm in the wrong industry right. for sure. That's a, so you literally had this epiphany by looking at what they, these these guys it. were getting and what they were going to retire with, and and said to yourself, "Wow, maybe I should switch careers." Oh yeah! After that meeting, I, I looked at my dad and I said, "Dad, I I think I'm going to become an electrician." Yeah. <laughs> And he just, thought I was joking. Yeah, just like that. Oh, yeah, just like that. I know. I said I was going to become a lawyer, and everybody laughed at me, too. <laughs> Stop. They still laugh, Ken. Yeah, they We're see, still all laughing. <laughs> Nobody's actually sure. No one's actually seen my degree, right? Did you bring it with you? I'd I actually wouldn't mind ca- seeing it. I carry it in my pocket. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> internet law school. <laughs> do they have those internet law schools? I'm sure they do. Yeah, you should go to one. I should. And, and one for communications. <laughs> yeah, I could use a little little bit of help. <laughs> so anyway, we digress. So you, so you, what, how'd you, what'd you start as a helper? 
Yes. So I did a, like a nine-month program just to get my feet wet um, uh-huh. on the job site, get the understanding of the tools, the material, yeah. and literally just wearing a pair of work boots for sure. the first time. <laughs> for the first time ever. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely new. Um, after those nine months, then yes, I, I tested in and I got onto the apprenticeship program. And, and Ed, you were a helper. I was. I was a summer helper when I was in high school with 134, and I worked for a company called Block Electric, and, then... and it was awesome. And that's where <laughs> Alyssa is currently working, according to Small her sweatshirt. World. Small they world. they just give out free sweatshirts. But <laughs> I had a great time, so what's up to my friends over at Block Electric? Not really the message. <laughs> <laughs> He's got no friends. But well, that's electric, absolutely true. Yeah. Like, who is this guy? I've never yeah. heard of him. But, uh, I mean, you, you raise an interesting point, because to get into an apprenticeship, there are a lot of, a lot of folks out there who may think that construction apprentices are for people who get C's and D's in high school and everybody else goes to college unless, you know, you belong in a trade school or into a trade. But I mean, to even qualify as an apprentice is so difficult that you have to go through sometimes pre-apprentice programs or helper programs just to get the skills that you need to get in because it is, it's competitive, it's challenging work, and it's not for dummies. I mean, you know, apprenticeship programs are, are, extremely competitive i mean our at local 150 ours has a higher rejection rate than caltech um and so you're looking for people who have college educations and everything but uh um you know it uh it's it's challenging yeah and how do you find it like did you find it like i'm i'm still learning i mean but you went from nothing like having just having family members that were electricians to literally becoming a helper and then you know testing and becoming a first year apprentice and you've walked through that system ever since correct yeah i mean just because i you know i do have the family in the business it's not like at thanksgiving i'm like hey how how was work today yeah right you know so it it was it was all brand new for me um but i mean you are, they they pave it really well so that I, I'm not like completely lost. <laughs> how many how many hours do you put in as an apprentice before you become a journeyman? Oh, that's a good question. I think it's like eight thousand hours, if I'm not mistaken. Yep, that right? sounds about right. That's, yeah, and and that's amazing, right? I mean, that's actually more hours than you would take in terms of college courses, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, probably. And it's it's good. It's comforting to know that if you hire a union electrician, this is somebody who has gone through eight hours of training or eight thousand hours of training. Right. Somebody who actually knows what they're doing and is taught by instructors rather than the guy standing next to him on the job who might not be a very good electrician himself. You know, in a in a non union setting or le- less professional setting. So tell us what what do you do on the job? Like, uh, just give us a, a, a normal day right now as a fifth year apprentice. What do you do? Uh, right now, we're we're working at a 16-story condo. It's a remodel, so uh, it's in the later stages of this building. Mm-hmm. And right now, we're we're trimming in outlets, um, putting installing the light fixtures and stuff. Kind of the final end of things, but yeah, I mean, I saw it kind of from a shell, you know, from a skeleton, and seeing everything kind of come together. And you're doing all the wiring, all the electricity, et cetera. Definitely. Right? And yeah, so, just to, your, my... to, to your point, Ed, you want to have skilled people doing that so your house doesn't catch on fire for sure right? electricity is no joke <laughs> yeah, exactly. as someone who's electrocuted myself once or twice i leave it to the professionals it's definitely no joke <laughs> yeah, that's cool so so we so we're talking right now with uh Alyssa cruz she is a fifth year uh, apprentice for ibw local 134 and would you mind sticking around um after the break because i want uh we have some more questions for you Definitely. Sounds good. Okay. Well, we'll be right back uh, right here on 720 WGN, the Workers' Mic. You're listening to the Workers' Mic, powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor and sponsored by Megan Financial, Premise Health, and Voya Financial. 
Earlier this year, the workers' mic had Bob Funk on. Bob is the founder and executive director of Labor Lab, which is a nonprofit watchdog agency that investigates corporate spending on union busting. Bob does great work. Enjoy this interview. We have Bob Funk on the air with us. Bob, welcome. Thank you so much, guys. I really appreciate you having me on. It's Absolutely. An honor. Yeah, no, we're, we're stoked to have you. Um, Bob runs a, what I guess would, would you would call it a watchdog group, Bob? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we are a watchdog organization um, specializing on Department of Labor and uh, corporate expenditures on union busting. You know what's disgusting? Union busting. That's right. Yeah, that's right. So, Bob, right. it's called. It's that's called, a good slogan, right there. You never heard that? <laughs> It'd sound good if we were chanting it on the street. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, Bob, it's it's called Labor Lab, right? That's right. So, Bob, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where you're from? Um, I am from the great state of Montana, with its uh, long proud labor history and um that's that's where i've been um for a good chunk of my life and returned um a few years back um to fight the good fight and now this is where uh labor labs main headquarter is although we have a couple of people in other states as well and what is your background so my background is basically i worked in politics but the reason i was in politics was because of the labor movement um I worked on campaigns for a number of years, and then one worked on the Hill for a little bit. Uh, after 2010, seeing what had happened in Wisconsin, I had to get back, um, right. get my yeah. boots back on the ground and get involved. And um, and then after working on a few more campaigns, I went into uh, labor movement full-time um, and worked for the Montana AFL-CIO and then uh, worked for the Montana Federation of Public Employees, uh, I went over there after J- the Janus decisions because um, I wanted to help protect uh, that good uh, public sector union. And uh, then we then we had a couple of big fights in the state legislature and beat all of those back and then started Labor Lab. And Montana is not a right-to-work state. It is not, and we are very proud of that, despite having, um, you know, we have a long uh, labor history here. There's an incredible book that I recommend reading it called the Gibraltar of Labor, and it's all about Butte, Montana, yeah, or as Butte. they refer to it, Butte, America. Yeah. Yep. And uh, the, the history there, um, you know, from wobblies to the strikes to union halls being bombed, I mean, it is a deep, deep um, part of our culture here, uh, more so than the states surrounding us. So, you know, generally our politics here is pretty purple. Um, things did swing in a rightward direction in 2020. Is the first time we elected a Republican governor um, in 16 years, and um, the uh, Republican majorities in the House and Senate both expanded so much so that they're super majorities. Despite all of that, um, labor is a red line in this state, and uh, right to work has every time they've brought it forward. Not only that, but um, other every other anti-union uh, piece of legislation, things that would make it harder. Um, uh, for members to join unions, uh, make it harder to administer unions. You know, you know all the typical yeah. union busting stuff, mm-hmm. paycheck deception, all of sure. that. Every single one of those has failed. That's There's awesome. been a lot of horrible stuff that happens in the legislature, but that is a red line here. And you know, thank right God, on Montana. My brothers and yeah, right. I, you know, yeah. I didn't know that. And, and are all the surrounding states right to work? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. And, uh, the shiny sea. Yeah. Exactly. If you look at the quality of life and everything like that, um, so many metrics in Montana, and then you compare it to our neighbors, it's generally better in Montana. And I think that's the 
the fact that we are still a right to work state and there's still some union density. You're still not a right to work state. No, we're sorry. Did I say that we're right? To yes, work? definitely not a right to work. Free bargaining. Excuse me. So let's yeah, let's get to, let's, let's get to your your mission and your venture because I think it's absolutely fascinating, um, and I have been following it since it launched. And we've so, talked about it a few times on yeah, the show. Yeah, we've talked about it on the show, um, and now we get to talk to the to the guy that basically started it, right, Bob? I mean, this is your deal, correct? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, kind of the genesis of Labor Lab was. During one of those right-to-work fights, you know, when we beat back all the bills, and, you know, our big message is the value of freedom and liberty, and it is your right to join together with your uh, fellow workers and have a voice in the workplace and uh, fight for a better life for you and your family. And leaning into those message and those values is how we, you know, beat right-to-work. But after that, you know, we were sitting around and thinking, Hell, you know, we took down legislators that want to go after this right, but there are hundreds and thousands of companies of every single size that are going after these uh, workers' rights, and we need to call them out and um, push back on their attacks on our. And what would you um, what would you what together. would you call those companies? Uh, union busting thugs. Okay, that, yeah. Yeah. that sounds yeah, about yeah, right. Yeah. We're, that we're, that we're, you can get away with yeah. on the radio. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. They're, they're union busters, right? And union busting yeah, oh. is an, an entire cottage industry, and it's what multi-billion-dollar industry, is it not? Yeah, that's right. We uh, did a. We actually recently did the uh, math for EPI's report on that was published, the Economic Policy Institute's yep. report that came out um, earlier this year. That at that we know of, we're looking at four hundred million dollars at least. But these consultants uh, are being paid. A lot of yeah. Wow. Yes, consultants. That's, and that's the ones that, that report. Be- well, exactly. So yeah. let's let's uh, we let's let, we got it back up again. All right, you ready? A union buster yeah. is somebody that a company hires to come in when they realize that a union is trying to organize their worker, right? Yeah. And and the company Correct. pays that uh, either law firm or. You know, company or single person um, pays that union buster a certain amount of money to come in and try and dissuade their workers from joining the union. Right? Am I getting that right, Bob? You've got it absolutely right. They call it persuading. Persuading. <laughs> and thus the persuader rule of the Department of Labor. And that is, Bob, explain what the persuader rule is. Well, the persuader rule was put into place as a great rule that was written um, under the Obama administration. Um, but it was put out in 2016. Um, obviously, that election went in a different direction than that administration was planning. Um, and the persuader rule was uh, rescinded um, by the Trump administration. We're pushing for the Biden administration to uh, reinstate the rule. But what's so important about it? Um, the persuader rule is absolutely critical for us to understand how corporate America. And what is the is rule? Going. Explain the rule. Yes. Absolutely. So the rule is that right now um, the Department of Labor views persuasion activity, union busting, reportable union busting, as when a persuader, anti-union union buster, comes in and meets face-to-face with workers. Well, we know that that is just a fraction of the union busting that happens. If we look at what's happening at Starbucks or Amazon, you know, Amazon hires these massive political firms to do their polling and their message testing. You've got Little or Mendelssohn, one of the largest, most evil law firms in the United States, literally writing the speeches, 
for uh, Howard Schultz. You've got them writing the text messages that go out to the workers. Um, you've got them again. You know, so so no, run it like so a no, yeah. campaign, right? So no, but no longer face to face, and and that's the the, no, key, the key difference. So that, is that the persuader rule was it was going to take away the face to face requirement and broaden it, and and that has passed. But let's now move backwards one more time, and under the Department of Labor. Um, rules and regulations, if a company hires a union buster, a, you know, a persuader, if you will, uh, whatever you want to call it, but uh, we call them union busters. If they hire a union buster, union yeah, of course they are. They have to report it, right? And they have to file um, a filing with the Department of Labor to say that they hired this union buster. And they also have to say how much they paid them, correct? Am I getting that right, Bob? You, you've got it spot on. Um, now, we're, have they been doing that? No. Why? And that's why we started Labor Big Lab. surprise. Yeah, shocking. Yeah. Why, why? Why? Because, so, Bob, what's the penalty for not doing it? The, there are criminal and civil penalties, but the uh, Secretary of Labor has never, um, never um, enforced gone it. after. Yeah. Enforce them. You have right? to say you're sorry. So basically, yeah, basically <laughs> it's the same thing as the NLRA, right? You, you get a call from the Department of Labor saying, you need to stop being a naughty boy and start... <laughs> um, giving us the paperwork when you get hired to go bust unions, um, you better you better start complying with this, okay, or else you're going to get another call from us. So, so f- it's, it, first of all, it's just, it's this is mind-boggling. This is mind-boggling exactly what you just said, because the NLRA, same thing, right? You, you break the law, and what do you have to do? You put a little notice on the back of the uh, bathroom door and says, like, I won't do that again, right? right? Exactly. You're like, I'm so sorry. You know, we, we had David Madlin on. He, he wrote that, uh, that great book, and he said that the fact that there are no penalties and, and the way the law is, is written right now is, is criminal yeah. uh, and it really there's no teeth to it so why would you comply starbucks is not bargaining with their uh, 300 plus unionized stores they're just not bargaining and no. what's what's happening to them and Nothing. they're being they're being flagrant about it they're saying like no we're not going to give raises to anyone who's from a unionized shop That's and right. they're like what are you going to do yeah what, <laughs> yeah sue me yeah and then they get sued by the national labor relations board and they right. go oh yeah you're right sorry no. you have to yeah. put this mm-hmm. on your bulletin board mm-hmm. yeah you're gonna put this on your bulletin board <laughs> so <laughs> so back to i mean the, i can't think of a lot of other pieces of legislation uh that exist in the world that don't have penalties except for when it comes to labor law oh yeah for yeah. sure and of course I, I think that the, the cards volumes just... about the priorities absolutely well i'll say this i saw something this uh past uh, or no it was last week um the federalist society where a lot of the conservative justices oh, yeah. of all the federal courts and the supreme court come from they put together a document that was asking the question is the National Labor Relations Board unconstitutional? So I see that, and it's like, okay, like we're just planting the seed in all these conservative justices' minds that, you know, in 10 years when all these folks are on the bench somewhere, we're going to start seeing challenges to the National Labor Relations Board. I mean, trying to just wipe out what little protection American workers still have. It's just, outrageous. Just remember, the First Amendment has become a weapon. Yeah. And there are some of us that think maybe we should go back to you know the wild west well i think of the fights you know uh with the pinkertons and whatnot maybe it it should be pure self-help in many cases it was employers who wanted labor regulations yeah so the labor peace yes yeah Yeah. didn't didn't you call the federal entire reason between the mra right yeah yeah, that's exactly right it said it says so in the beginning of the of the national labor relations act if i'm not mistaken uh so (laughs) we're getting off topic bob but 
we're going to stick around for another well, segment. I mean, it, it's but, absolutely but, interesting. But Ed, you called the Federalist Society the Supreme Court Farm Team. Yeah, <laughs> I think that was pretty funny. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's yeah. true though because a lot of um, you know the they recommend they make recommendations for yeah. who the next Supreme Court justice should be. There, they've got an incredible amount of influence over the judicial branch uh, and the executive branch that uh, that yeah, if you want to see the way the supreme court's going to rule just read any of the federal society articles yeah they all they all come from there <laughs> yeah i know it's like college prep I mean, I, high school for the supreme court true so Absolutely, bob, it bob. All comes from there, but it, it'll be to their own detriment if they do this yeah. uh, of because, course it will uh, so i'm gonna uh, as look, you said we, we gotta we gotta take a quick break but uh, uh we stick around for another segment because we really i really want to drill down on, on what you're doing and why it's so important and how people can get involved and help so uh stick around bob absolutely thank you all right we'll be right back uh with more of the workers mic right here on 720 wgn you're listening to the workers mic powered by the midwest coalition of labor and sponsored by megan financial premise health and voya financial we had a prestigious panel of worker advocates on the show including illinois department of labor director jane flanagan Illinois State Representative Marcus Evans Jr., Illinois AFL-CIO President Tim Dre, and Illinois AFL-CIO Secretary-Treasurer Pat Devaney. Let's take a listen. We are super, super psyched to have with us four, count them, four very distinguished guests. Um, And I'm just going to take it in order of where everybody's sitting, not necessarily in order of importance. (laughs) So I'm going to start with the right, Pat Devaney. And Pat, why don't you say hello? Hey, hello, everybody. And, glad, and Pat, who, who are you? What's your title? Um, I'm the secretary treasurer for the Illinois AFL-CIO. I've been in that position for about three and a half years. And uh, how many members does the AFL-CIO have here? We represent 900,000 union wow. members and 1,500 affiliates across the state. Wow. You're a firefighter by trade, right? I came from the firefighters union. I ran the statewide firefighters union for about 12 years, and I was a career firefighter right. down in state in Champaign. All right. Well, thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks glad for coming. Glad to be here. Thanks for having us. And then next up is Tim Dre. Yeah. Uh, good morning. How are you? I'm, I'm well, thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, thanks for coming, Tim. What's your title? Uh, president of the Illinois AFL-CIO. I work day-to-day with Pat mm-hmm. and uh, as a, as an officer for those 900,000 members. How long have you been uh, with the AFL? I've been there 16 years. Wow. Yeah, I spent uh, 13 years as uh, secretary-treasurer and then moved up three years ago to president. What did you do before that, Tim? I started out as a, a coal miner in central Illinois. I followed my father and uh, worked in the mines uh, 11 years. That's amazing. Good for you. It's an amazing backstory. I've heard yeah. the backstory a few times. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. So two, literally two worker bees you know, are, are now running you know, the, the Federation largest, that covers 900,000 yeah, working I mean, that, men and women. It's amazing. So that's kudos to you guys for doing that. Absolutely. That, Thank you. And it, it makes you feel good about Illinois because Illinois is really a state of, of workers, right? And and it, it's important. So you guys not only, you know, talk the talk, but you have walked the walk. You you have been in the, the position of, of the working class. And I think that's really important. Right. Yeah. Carried a bucket. You carried, carried a bucket. A bucket. Yeah. 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 That's the difference. Yeah. Yeah. You've, right. been, you've been in a coal mine, which is more than most people yeah. can say. <laughs> I was just a lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> just a communication. I roll pencils back and forth across the desk most of the day. You're very good at I it. I can spin around in my chair like seven times. <laughs> <laughs> and now we have uh, Rep- state representative, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. 
and also assistant majority leader. I did not know that. Yes. Marcus Evans, say hello. How you doing, Marcus Evans? And also, I chair our Labor and Commerce Committee. So, That's of course, right. I work with the labor leaders of Illinois, mm-hmm. try to push good policy. And I represent a working class community, southeast side of Chicago. So, yeah. you know, million dollar houses in my community is, is working people. Good. How long have you been doing it? I've been a state rep for 11 years now. It kind of flew by. Uh, but I've been a chair of the committee for about four of those years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just you know, um, really enjoy creating policy to help workers. You know, yeah. And you uh, are also by trade, you're an appraiser. Yeah, so I'm a real estate appraiser. We do a lot of uh, commercial work, but you know, appraise, appraising is so important. You know, it's all about opinion of value, and it impacts so much in the communities and for working people. So, it'd be something I'll be doing forever. Yeah, good. You know, I, I think uh, I'm gonna. Can I call you Marcus? Yeah, please don't call me. <laughs> all right, I, I appreciate that. Um, you left. I, I'm a, a I'm a referee too. What? I'm a basketball referee. I don't, we don't want to go off. I didn't know. I want to hear about that. No, <laughs> yeah, but I'm a basketball referee. That's, I'm a high school basketball. Nice, basketball really? Basketball. It's my favorite thing to do. I heard you're the worst nice. referee out there. Yeah, well, I'll kick you out the game. <laughs> that's a kid, that's a, yeah, the kid that fouled out last night. Told us that. <laughs> that's yeah. what he told us. But you know, a lot of people don't realize, Marcus, that state reps and, and politicians here in Illinois. You know, you're not making a million dollars. You know, as a as a representative, right? It's not like you have this mansion, you know, or you're a you know a billionaire, you know, like the you know the 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 Fed and and whatnot. You guys have jobs. Yeah, most of us are regular folks. I mean, we have folks who are rich or what have you, but most of us are working class. And I live in Avalon Park, Southeast Side. Live in a bungalow. Right. I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't see any Secret Service following <laughs> no, you around no, in here. No. Like, he came in by himself, and I said to Ed, I'm like, is that him? He's by himself. And uh, <laughs> it's like, I think that no, is him. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like the Supreme Court where you get flown in on a private jet. <clears throat> no, I go to L.A. Fitness to work out, you know, hang out at the local local places. So, yeah. Now you know where you can find him. Yeah. You know. <laughs> <laughs> L.A. Fitness. Um, and last but not least, uh, we have Jane Flanagan. And Jane, you are... I'm director of the Department of Labor. It's great to be here. Thank it's you really, so much yeah, for being yeah, here. Yeah, that's it's really cool to have you here. So that's the Illinois Department of Labor. Yes. Not the U.S. Good, Department of Labor. Important clarification. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. For now. Right. Right. For now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you have aspirations? Absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. not like everybody, she gets to Illinois and loves it so much, you never want to leave. <laughs> and what, what's, what's your background? You're, you're not from Chicago. Like, you're not from Illinois. No, so I'm from Maryland. Like you, I was a lawyer. I represented workers. I was a workers' rights lawyer. I represented chicken processing workers on Maryland's Eastern Shore oh, and cool. overtime cases, bus lo- drivers. Oh, that's awesome. I went to work at the Maryland Department of Labor, and then we moved here about 12 years ago. Uh-huh. Um, I was at the AG's office for a long time. I founded the Workers' Rights Bureau there. Yeah. And litigated cases, did trafficking cases, non-compete cases, um, and I was appointed to this job about a year ago. So this is an, an appointment? It is. I gotcha. Um, and where'd you go to school? Law school or? Well, both. <laughs> get, get the full resume. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Nice. Uh, I went to Northeastern. I have, a reason, I have a reason for asking this. Okay. Are, you, are you a Patriots fan? I am well. There you go. Hold on a okay, second. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. You can. There's still time to say I am not a Patriots fan. <laughs> I am not particularly, but I am right, married to a rabid Patriots fan. Yes. Okay. Well, got, got to admit it. You know, I thought she was going to say she's married to a Patriot. 
<laughs> I'm out of here. <laughs> so now with that background, um, let, 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 let's go to you, Marcus. We, we're here to talk about something that I think is really cool and really important. And that, that is the, the Workers' Memorial Day, yeah. right? And, and this was uh, the result of a resolution that was passed yes. that you introduced. Yeah. Um, it, tell us a little bit about it. Well, of course, you know, we have great leaders here in Pat and Tim, and they talked to me about it. And I think we know people died at work. We know that people still died at work. But it's kind of ill it happened, these accidents. These are accidents. You know, it's important for employers and people in construction and people in the workplace uh, to protect the workers. Do yeah. everything you can. If you go to work, you should go home. That's right. And I think that years ago, we know people died in dangerous situations. But in 2023, nobody should be dying at right. work. All safety precautions should be taken. And it's such a shame you hear about it. I mean, somebody lost their life trying to take care of their family and, it, and it's so sad and what happens to that family so just just remembering those folks so when we put in legislation or when when jane is talking about safety that we take it seriously like it's not a joke everybody should go home i think when when you talk about workers memorial day a lot of folks might get the idea in their head of you know old black and white pictures yep. of uh, dangerous workplaces but every day i mean whether it's trench collapses or um you know the recent passing of two firefighters tragically in the city of chicago this is still happening every day and so i think what you're doing um everyone here is is so important to just remind people that work is dangerous and yes. that we all have kind of a moral obligation and it's doable if we actually try yep. to uh to make workplaces safer and when when is this it's uh what's the day What's the exact April, April 28th. April 28th. Next Friday, uh, two weeks from Friday. Yeah, Are you guys going to have a celebration or, or uh, in a, well, like commemoration? You know, or? Ken, there's, there's 10 uh, memorial um, ceremonies Ceremony. around the state. Yep. Uh, Rockford, Central Illinois, down in the Metro East, all over. Uh, we're going to have one in Springfield. Uh, and uh, Director Flanagan is going to be our, our keynote speaker. Oh, cool. And, and Springfield is like the two firefighters that were tragically killed on the job in Chicago last Friday. Mm-hmm. A, uh, a UA member, plumber and pipe fitter, local 137 member, uh, was killed on the job in Springfield. No kidding. Mm-hmm. So it's it's still there. Uh, very, very prominent. That's, you know, three workers in the AFL-CIO just this month. And right. We're only at the 14th. Yeah. Prayfully, we don't have any more. The preceding episode of The Worker's Mic was powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor and sponsored by Megan Financial, Premise Health, and Voya Financial. For additional information and podcasts of The Worker's Mic, visit WGNRadio.com.